I what's going on with this one over here? Shield, what's, shield and so sword. What's wrong with I, what's he trying to protect himself from? It's not protection, bro. It sounds like you might be protecting yourself from something keeping your guard up. I was actually gonna kind of say it might be a little bit of protection now. I actually think you are really sensitive. What? Not, no, 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 no. Not, <laughs> not. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. Welcome to episode 14 of the First Sip Podcast. Today in studio, we have Kelly Cathy. Kelly is a child therapist who specializes in child and family play therapy. Today we're going to dive into um, new mothers, expecting mothers, and any tribulations or behavioral setbacks that they could experience and what Kelly recommends. We're going to touch on Kelly's journey, how she got here, how she chose this path a little bit, and also uh, we were joking about beforehand, she's going to give a diagnosis a on me and Dikembe and, and how she feels we are. Nope, in, in you our, think it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. Neither of us What she said about joke. me was a joke. <laughs> <clears throat> so with that being said, we're Kelly, not even a minute in, and you just lying to the people. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It sucks, man. Wow, wow. Kelly, well, welcome, Kelly. Kelly, welcome. Sorry, we had to start like this. Thank you so much are. for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're excited. So, um, Kelly, every week we do start, and we ask right off the rip, "What are you sipping on?" So, Kelly, what are you sipping on today? I got my big old Fiji water. Oof, bougie. I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Refilled. It. This isn't pure Fiji. Oh, is it half Fiji? No. Okay, so it's just tap in a Fiji bottle. Filtered tap. It's filtered. Like filtered that. spigot water. The people don't need to know. No. It, that's it. If anything, it's Fiji. If this was on video, I would be like, yo, that's Fiji. That's a big bottle, too. That's like the $8 bottle of Fiji. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. At really the airport, is. that's $14. That's would, the big, big I would one. never. I would go. You would buy that? It's delicious. I'm going different. to the bathroom right? and drink. No, I would go to the bathroom and drink from the sink. 100% taste different. $14. In the airport, you would drink from the sink? Before spending $14 on a bottle of water? Yes. We all make choices. I'm Lydia's child. What? And speaking about that, we're going to talk about, you know, how parents um, influence their child's decisions, you know, hopefully. Because um, I think that there really is a definite connection, right? Like some of the things your parents might have done while you were a child and things that you have seen and mm-hmm. the decisions you make as an adult. Big um, part of it. And relationships is a huge thing. Relationships, wow. Yeah. So you choose your partner is a huge hmm. piece of it. I could go into that for days, but oh. so like somebody who is more sensitive might find somebody who's not as sensitive or may look for someone just like them. Yeah, I think I was just having this conversation with someone hmm. yesterday actually. Hmm. Um the, the our foundation is actually our foundation for relationships and the way that we attach to others is actually set in the first three years of our lives so um, the way in which we are able to be close or separate from other humans hmm. that's set that foundation is set in the first three years of life so I'm really glad Al that you brought up like about being new mothers and um you know, having those experiences because the first thing I do with any client I see is ask them about their child's first three years of life. Um, and that's kind of where we see that's how your relational patterns start, which is so freaking scary because like if you Mm -hmm. fuck up those three (laughs) years, um, 
I mean, long-term effects. Think yeah. about that. Um, I have a few coworkers, you know, who have recently had uh, children, mm-hmm. and thankfully, you know, our our company gives us what four months off for paternity leave. Oh, wow, that's, that's long, dude. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Good for B of A, right? But it made me think a lot about okay, what about companies and mothers who don't have that option? You know, how long? I don't even know the average time that most mothers get off of of work. You know, if if you're expecting a child. Is that, like, something that you see? Like, or could you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. I only know it more so from my, like, my friends who are having babies yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, I mean, based on, like, what you're hearing, you know, like, I don't have too many people who talk about, you know, having kids and their time off, so maybe you've had more experience that with that. Yeah, I would say... I'm going to shout out to my bestie, Jackie, who's having a baby soon. She's going to know this more than I will, so she can call in and, and qu- <laughs> fix my... Shout my, out to you, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> it was fix a, my knowledge. Slide in our DMs, right. Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's two months, maybe? That's I mean, that's still crazy. What, the standard? Yeah. I think. Because I'm thinking think about, like, weeks. I think from the even from the yeah. dad standpoint that I'm hearing, right, like, their adjustment to the first two months sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what it's like for a mother, you know, and having to say, okay, now you have to leave and go back to work after two months and figure out who's going to take care of your newborn baby. Mm, that's true. So, mm-hmm. ro- ro- well, roping it back then to the first three years and how they lay the foundation. So a lot, can you elaborate on that a little bit more, like, does having siblings have an impact? I guess how you're, yeah. how you're, mm. like the household you grow up in. What what are you looking for when you ask that question? Is my question. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I would say that. Sorry, guys. You're good. <laughs> stuff around. Um, <laughs> I would say that. So whenever it comes to parenting. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough, right? Um, I always I say that to every single one of my clients. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to be good enough. So if there's things that happen in those first three years that really cause in family intense stress and it takes them away from being able to attune to you and meet the needs of the baby, mm-hmm. then that's really going to throw a baby off. Um so sometimes I have mothers who um, get pregnant unexpectedly with another child right after they have a child, right? So there's that um, that period of potential postpartum that then can impact the second child because, um, you know, you can still be in postpartum for a year after or two years after. So it, that something like that impacts your ability to attach to the child. Um, some some stories I've had where mothers have told me that they've had a reaction of, of anger towards the child. Um, such intense anger That's that, interesting. that there's rage, right? Um, and that impacts a child's mm. attachment because if that child is feeling that the rage of that mother, mm-hmm. like what does the baby begin to believe about like itself? Like some sort of like resentment, yeah. Resentment. Is I, I see that sometimes. Word, yeah. like, you ever see like a, a parent just sitting there, just like yelling at their child, like they did something like so wrong to mess up their entire life, and I'm just like, yo, it, they didn't choose to come into this world. I mean, it was kind of you and whoever else, you know, <laughs> sat down and did that. You know, now it's not their fault. You mm-hmm. know, but I've seen some parents really sit there and like yell at their kids with some type of anger, and I'm like, 
Yeah. How long does that child have to deal with that? You know, like what's going to happen to them once again, like over over their life, and then when they become adults, how do they start treating people? Mm-hmm. And that's excuse me, a really, really big part of it. Mm. Um, and especially as we talked about me, you know, my practice is centered and focused around working with sensitive children. Mm-hmm. So being yelled at for a sensitive child can feel at times like being physically abused, right? Like that's how sensitive and, and deeply feeling mm-hmm. some people can be in the world. Um, so, you know, I always say that the way that we, ex- it's, it's never about the event. It's the way it's about the way we experience the event. Um, so, so yeah, even something like that could be, mm. could shift things for mm. a, a child or a person. Mm. Yeah. Relationships so, are very, very, they're delicate. You know, it's, they're very delicate. Yeah. I, I mean, I want, I definitely want to touch on that too. I think that that's a cool way to start is you, you said that, the way you are raised within your first three years impacts how you interact with other people in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what what does that mean? Like, what what are you? Uh, I guess what causes someone to evolve and then act a certain way within a relationship, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. So essentially, there's essentially there's, and I can give you guys. I could talk about this forever, but mm-hmm. essentially, there's like a attachment styles Mm -hmm. so like the way that you attach to someone else is based upon the way that you're um what's the word like the way that your attachment map was kind of formed um so it's like oh here's this here's my map Mm -hmm. here's your map and then they somehow fit together in some way sometimes that fitting together can Mm be a big blow up (laughs) and like a really tumultuous relationship or it can work right like in some way they they work out um so so that's kind of like your map essentially that you have for the rest of your life um an attachment is malleable so you can change it okay um but it's those first three years that that map is created if that so is that sense. like when there's like a newborn baby right and you might have family members who say like oh don't always leave the child let the child just stay with you right like the child should be free to like go with like other relatives and stuff yes. like that you shouldn't just be stuck with the mom all the time yes exactly. does that like impact the child because i mean you know that's something that my family says all the time it's like the child should just be free i mean and thinking back to when i was a kid that's how we were you know you were free to kind you weren't afraid to kind of just go to whatever aunt or uncle were around. And then I, I guess that is kind of, it has impacted me now that I think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Yeah. And ideally what we want in all of our relationships is this dance between can, um, this interdependent dance between connection and, um, independence, right? Mm-hmm. Like this, it's, it's that dance, right? Like it's that I'm going to go out in the world and explore and be free. And I'm going to come home to my secure base. I'm going to come home to the people that refill me and give me life. And, um, yeah. And give me life. And, you know, I luckily have friends that, you know, 
I don't have a partner yet, but friends mm-hmm. that do that for mm-hmm. me, right? So you create this space for yourself and these relationships for yourself where I feel so much more confident to go out and pursue my dreams and my goals because I know that this safety and that connection and the security is there for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes so. a lot of sense. Actually, that it reminds me of something that we talked about before. Um, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, that in your environment shapes shapes you and shapes the, the decisions you're able to make. And like you said, the confidence that you have in those decisions. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we talk to our group of friends all the time on a weekly basis. And we would say a lot of us are always doing something, you know, trying to push forward towards some new goal or some just always pushing for progress. Right. And I know for me, I kind of tap into that and say, like, OK, knowing that I have this circle of, of people, you know, this gives me a level of balance and confidence to then go out and make my own decisions. Yes. And one thing we were talking about, you know, bringing back there is what about the people who don't have that? You know, the kids who might be 14, 15 years old, who are just trying to find, I guess, like that network, that group of friends who, who they feel safe with to, I guess, come back and have vulnerable conversations you know, which would then allow you to move forward. You know, mm-hmm. and if, what, what happens if you don't have that? It's so funny that you asked because I just saw this quote somewhere and it said um, something about how love, that's love, right? What you just described is love. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have that love, then we can't grow. So for me, my immediate sort of initial gut response to what you just said is like, they can't grow, right? They can't grow and go out in the world and continue to develop who they are and deepen their relationship with themselves because Mm -hmm. they don't have that relationship with others, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what intuitively Mm -hmm. I would say. Because I, you know, as you, as I think about, okay, you go from those teenage years now, you know, through your college life and now let's just go back to the relationships and how not having love in your life at a young age may affect you now when you go out and now want to have relationships with, with others. Mm-hmm. I see plenty of guys who are, and I hear it from plenty of older guys and saying, man, you know, when I was young, I was out here doing this and that because they didn't know how to love, right? They never had someone in their life who really had like shown them what that is so they mm-hmm. kind of just played around with women like it was it was a game mm-hmm. and even from the and other side some of them men yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> so, and then from the other side you know I've, I've heard it from women who said like oh you know I've gone through relationships that I didn't really know what I was looking for because I didn't know what love really was you know early on at home you know from family so you go out and now it's almost like an experiment like once again you're playing games and saying is this going to work is that going to work but then at the end of the day you're still dealing with the pain of that Mm-hmm. Yep, that's where it begins. Yep. So, so what got you on this journey then, Kelly? What what made you say I want to help children and families? I guess get better. I don't know. I guess that that's what you do, right? You make it better. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, you keep the business is doing good, so <laughs> something's getting better. Exactly. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Thanks you, for so You're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> business is booming. <laughs> Um, you know, I, interestingly enough, I always knew I wanted to help people. Um, but I, interestingly enough, I went, wanted to go to medical school. Um, 
so I went to I went to Penn for undergrad hoping that would get me into a really good med school and then I think it was probably my senior year um, I started working at a psych hospital mm. and just for doing like internships things like that getting ready for to prep to get into med school um, and I had been in therapy for years before that so I was very familiar with you know being in therapy and being on the other side of, of that relationship um, so I just I just started talking to some of the kids at the place that I was interning at and it was a pretty significant um, pretty significant place in terms of like what they did basically it was a crisis center so they took kids in that were in crisis essentially so you know hurting themselves hurting others couldn't keep themselves safe essentially um so i would just spend time with these kids and they had these beautiful stories of like resiliency and hope and creativity and courage and strength and connection and i was like holy shit how do these kids still have life inside of them after everything they've been through and I was like okay I gotta get real with myself right now because I don't think I'm gonna be able to get this connection as a doctor like this is what's really feeding me this like tell me everything about who you are and I'm gonna love you right Mm -hmm. um and I, I got re- yeah I got honest with myself I was like I don't think I'm able to do this as a doctor and then I started studying for the MCAT which is like this really insane test that you have to take before you become a doctor and I was like fuck this I'm not doing this this is not it <laughs> um, appreciate all of the wonderful doctors who are my friends and who have taken care of me love them so much um, but just it was just not for me I'm, I'm much more relation- relationally based then I think I could have been as a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was just like, shit, I guess I'll just be a therapist. Like, I know I've been in therapy. I know how to talk to people. Like, let's just do it. Um, and then eventually um, got into a program where I talked to some mentors, got into a program where I was able to focus on child therapy, things like that. Um, and then once I got out into doing my own business I started seeing pretty consistently kids showing up with the same temperament which were like really sensitive really strong-willed um gifted children Mm. some some were some sensitivity doesn't often mean that you're gifted but most times when you're gifted you're also sensitive too um so I started seeing kids with this similar temperament coming in and out of my office and I was like well I'm just going to make my business around treating these specific type of kids Mm -hmm. Um, and it helps that I'm also sensitive and gifted too so I really understand I understand the difference that the challenges yeah Yeah. you can relate that's cool yeah it's interesting to hear that you found um, we were talking about this on the on the last episode or two episodes ago now the just like the importance of knowing your why right like understanding Mm-hmm. why you go to work every day, why it is that you wake up to, you know, do the business that you do, what connection you're having with the people that you come in contact with every day. Mm-hmm. And once again, I think a lot of people go through life and don't ever find that, mm-hmm. which is sad, but it's always cool, you know, when you meet people who, who are doing that and you find, like, real passion behind it. So it's awesome. 
Oh yeah, she yeah. definitely has found her why. That's yeah. great. Which yeah. is why you're successful. Yeah. Exactly. So what what does a, a session of play therapy look like? Like say there was a, say there was a, someone out there listening right now. They were like, damn, I, maybe she could help me out. What would you say? Like what does that session look like? What are you doing? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So typically, um, I I work with really really young children, like between two and ten. Um, okay. So my average age is like probably six right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically, I do have the parents come in for a little bit of time in the beginning, just to kind of do a little check in, like, hey, how's the week, things like that. Um, and then after that, the child and I will play together. And I have like a whole. This, this is probably about the size of my office, like 300 square feet mm-hmm. office of basically toys. Um, so there's like a sand tray, there's a kitchen, there's um, like a place where kids can play with dolls, things like that. Um, and essentially in my training and my postgraduate training, what I was taught to do is to read play. So when kids are communicating things, they're communicating things in metaphors um, so when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you are playing, when I'm playing with a child, I understand what they're communicating through the metaphors that they're creating, if that makes sense. Um, so if a child plays in the kitchen a lot, usually that means that they're lacking some sort of nurturance. Um, cause when you think about nurturance, it's food, mm. right? Um, so, or for instance, I have a kiddo that has a lot of GI problems, um, and he plays in the kitchen a lot because there's, you know, a connection there. So it's powerful. It's you know so where that powerful. took me? What? And this is going to sound pretty crazy, but Bert, you might get this. I don't know if you'll get this reference, right? Some of our viewers might. So there's a show called Avatar The Last Airbender, right? Animated show. Have you watched it, Bert? Of course. Great show. And do you remember in the beginning when they were figuring out who the next Avatar was going to be, what they did? I do not. They would put down a group of toys in front of the kids, right? And see which one they like gravitated towards, mm-hmm. and that's how they ended up figuring out that Aang was the next Avatar. How did mm-hmm. what toy did he play? Because with? I don't remember specifically, but it was like the way he went about like dealing with the toys made them realize like this is the next Avatar. As crazy as that sounds, right? But I, it, it was just interesting to hear like okay, that's kind of like what you, you sit down and see how they go about, you know, which toys they are just kind of like gravitate towards and how they deal with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Play so, is play is a language. Is Very it? Cool. What toys would I gravitate towards, Kelly? Wow. Hmm. I think Al, you would gravitate towards the shield and sword. Hear that? Wow. Hear that? Scumbag? So okay. And where, <laughs> because... where, that? where would I go? Where would I go? And then yeah, I want to hear t- because. T- tell him first to give him. Yeah. Oh, give me a because. And then no, tell no, him. I want to hear mine first. Oh yeah. And then give I want to hear because. because. Yes. Yes. No. Let's oh. level it out first. No, yes. Yep. Yes. This is. Let's get on this segment. Hit us, Kelly. <laughs> I think Dikembe would. I think you would gravitate towards the sandbox. Because you would probably want to create something with the figures in the sand. And it would be a really beautiful, delicate story. Oh, my God, (laughs) dude. A beautiful, delicate story. I wish the people could see my face. (laughs) Such a true smile. That... Listen. Oh my God! I have never heard anyone describe me <laughs> with such depth and honesty. Talking about a sandbox. <laughs> that you was... just made his month. Yeah. Kelly. <laughs> did, did y'all hear that? <laughs> that, that, that? 
That's a doctor, bro. That she was told me. You belong in the sandbox. That man. was me. I'm the sandbox kid. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh you wow. loved the sandbox as a kid. I'm the sandbox kid. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's me. Now, why? <laughs> what's going on with this one over here? Shield, what's, shield and so sword. What's wrong I... with? What's he trying to protect himself from? <laughs> It's not protection, bro. It sounds like you might be protecting yourself I from something keeping your guard up. I was actually going to kind of say it might be a little bit of protection now. I actually think you are really sensitive. What? Not, no, 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 no. <laughs> not, not really sensitive. <laughs> not really sensitive. I would say... Yeah, here we go. I think that you... I think that you have sensitivities that you're protecting, if that makes sense. What did she just Let's say? Let's consult Alex on this. Let's idea. talk about it. <laughs> talk about it. Alex I know has just turned up the volume so we're let's let's dive into this just for a little bit have to get, when because have to this sounds session. like something yeah. that you've observed before so I don't know what she's talking about let's let's yeah let's elaborate a little bit on that shield and sword warrior what type yes. of that's what she meant what type of things is he trying to to guard I can't answer that she doesn't know because there's nothing she hasn't talked to you long enough but maybe by the end of this episode we got you know some more time left so so that's we'll we'll so see. so in a, in a not joking sense that's that's cool that's fun and, and something we really want to touch on is how how do you think COVID is shaping right there's three there's one to three year olds right now that live mm-hmm. throughout a lockdown what what does that look like in your field now what have you seen or have you directly experienced the difference yeah yeah, yeah it's probably crazy like you talk about oh you know the whole attachment and being able to go out see different people do different things between those years can't really do much of that right now yeah no. or you got to be very like particular about who you let into your into your home into your life especially in in the early years yeah yeah it is it is so different for every age group but i from january until now have consistently gotten between eight and ten phone calls for new clients from january until now which shows like typically i would be between maybe two and three a week Mm. so it's like almost quadruple wow that's what, crazy yeah yeah what i typically see um we are really 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 booked as child therapists um yeah the the changes are impacting kids in different ways mm-hmm. um so for my little little kids like my four and five year olds it's been i've been seeing a lot more separation anxiety um, because the children are spending so much time with the parents, it's harder for them wow, okay. to separate, essentially, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and then on the and then I'm seeing like more school aged kids are having a lot of time, a hard time adjusting, readjusting to going back to school. Mm-hmm. So like Philly schools in the surrounding counties um, have opened to being in person, more in person now. Um, so kids are having a really hard time adjusting to going back to school. Um, so many different things. And when I say the play has been so much more intense, it's so intense. Like some of the play I've been seeing is like violent. And for me, it shows that kids are really, really, really impacted by this. Wow. Um, so yeah. And when yeah. you say it's been like violent, do you mean like there's like a lot of just like worked up, like trapped energy that they're just like letting loose now or? Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah. About I was that? curious like, about yeah. that violent too. Like mm-hmm. what would I be doing? I'd just be swinging the sword around. Probably. <laughs> oh my 
gosh, you would be, bro, you would be that kid that would just be running around the room chasing kids like me, like, and I'll be throwing sand, like, we'd, stop. No, we'd have a great Stop. Time. You no, don't see be, my castle. You'd be building a nice little delicate you don't story, see my, You don't said. see my castle? I'd yeah, my the castle dragon, with, with the moat. she said. And you would be trying to stomp on my castle, and I'd be like, what's wrong with this kid? Hello? Oh. What, teacher, what's wrong with this that's kid? Not, that's not thoughtful to come back. I remember this. That's this was us in school. It's a thoughtful episode. We were in school together since seventh grade. I remember how you were. Kelly. He tried to push me on the stairs one time. I'm, I'm not saying I remember it, but I remember it. Kelly, what's violent play? Guys, you if you want to talk about this sometime, we do just not. Let we me might know. need a follow up episode because <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to remember some things now that Albert first did. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But yeah, no, that is interesting. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And you talked about the separation anxiety, you know, with the kids the, and going back to school, but. Also, I talked to a lot of parents who are saying this is the first time that they've been able to spend this much time at home mm-hmm. with their kids, with their spouse, and they don't know what it's going to be like. They know what it's going to be like if they have to go back to, you know, the rat race and the basic, you know, like mm-hmm. nine to five, like everyday monotony. And I think a lot of people are having a hard time coming to, like, coming to reality with that. And yeah, how, how would you navigate something like that? Yeah. No. I don't want to interrupt you. So that that is a great question, Kembe. But I do want because I I bet you there are people listening. Like, oh, I wonder if my kid mm-hmm. is is um, exerting violent play. So mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Can you touch on that? Yeah, and then, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back to you, that. Yeah. yeah. And if you do see that, what would you recommend to a parent who's seeing that before we go? Because mm-hmm. that was great, Kembe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say to parents, if you know that you have a more sensitive kid, like they feel things more deeply. The world just impacts them more um just to be checking in with them more often like talking about their feelings helping them process things mm-hmm. um because if you don't that's when things get stuck right and that's when they come into my office and like just everything just lets go and explodes Oops, because really they're holding all this energy and they don't know what to do with it right these worries these fears this anger this all of this all of these feelings that mm-hmm. they're having um so I would say, so for a child that's kind of severely exhibiting signs of this, um, you're going to see it like in their drawings. Um, like I have sometimes kiddos that draw on the wall to express their feelings. Um, you're going to see it. Um, yeah, a lot of times it happens in, in kids' drawings. Mm. Um, you'll notice it. Um, it's going to happen like in their play. So if you notice that maybe their play is becoming more violent or aggressive, um, that's going to be really important to, to, to pay, to pay attention and stay in tune with that. Um, I've been seeing a really big increase in like, um, sibling conflict. So kids are kind of like taking okay. it out on each other, yeah. if that makes sense. Cause they don't really know what to do with their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, things like that. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. Okay, cool. And then going back to the um, the separation anxiety, right? And mm-hmm. how have you been preparing parents for, for that or helping them make the decision to not go back to that type of crazy rat race, you know, and saying, okay, find something that makes you happy. You know, you, we were talking about in the beginning of this episode, you finding your why. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these parents are realizing, okay, my why is being able to spend time with my family, you know, enjoying these things. So how can I make more of that a reality? Are those conversations you're having with these parents? Big time, yeah. Because yeah. that's another thing I'm seeing is that really sensitive kids not need a lot of downtime mm-hmm. to, like, recharge, essentially. Um, and 
sensitive kids, some sensitive kids have been doing better in the pandemic because they have had a ton of connection, a ton of a ton of time to unwind, a ton of time to be with their family at home, right? Um, so I've been really coaching families on like, okay, what did you have at home during the pandemic that is going to be changing now that things are going to be going back to quote normal, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of parents have identified like we haven't had we didn't we never had family dinner until the pandemic, right? And like children, especially sensitive children, thrive off that structure and routine and they know that each night we're going to have family dinner and we're going to have time to connect with mom and dad and siblings whoever, right? Um so I've been really helping families identify what it is that really helps that child thrive. So like structure, routine, connection, um, calm, right? Things were much, things are much, even though there was chaos outside, if you kept Mm -hmm. your house, you know, calm, there's calm there. Um, so I've really been helping families identify what these things were and staying and keeping, staying and keeping grounded in those, despite things going back to normal, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah big conversations though yeah uh, huge conversations yeah and I mean it's I don't know sometimes I think about I'm like was the pandemic almost not the obviously not the sickness and you know the loss of life and all that stuff but just the time that it gave people to really sit back and be like all right let me think about what's going on right now you know what am I doing with my time with my life how or how am I spending the time with the people around me Mm -hmm. you know a lot of us have never like you said have never had this much time to just sit back and sit with our thoughts mm-hmm. and yes it must be crazy for kids but then think about a lot of these parents who have kids just it's just it's it's a lot you know it's so mm-hmm. much to think about and you have to think about it now mm-hmm. totally yeah you're forced to slow mm-hmm. down yeah you are forced to slow down do you ever yeah. give the, the parents like advice like uh, is, is it kind of like a two-way street where for example a, a parent is experiencing a rough time with it with a kid whatever behavioral issues kids lashing out mm-hmm. do you ever notice that if you make an adjustment with the parent as opposed to the kid mm-hmm. that there's that there's a noticeable shift mm-hmm. yeah big time big time i um i always say that we talked about this i don't know if we talked about this in the podcast i mm-hmm. think being that secure base yeah. right mm-hmm. um so essentially what ends up happening is I end up being a secure base for the parents Mm -hmm. and then that's when they're able to build more confidence in their parenting and go off on their own and do it because I really don't see my clients for more than like a year I'm like I want to give you the skills and the tools you need and then I want you to be free on your own right I want Mm -hmm. you to have that confidence um so I sort of act as that secure base for the parents and with giving them that loving and gentle guidance to say like, hey, it might be helpful if you say it this way, right? Like, I wonder if maybe Tommy is perceiving that as critical. Mm. And um, and it, it quite honestly, it, I've been doing this for seven years now and not specifically in private practice, but there's a very delicate balance of like, and a very delicate dance you do when you like... <laughs> to give a parent feedback about how they're treating their child um and sometimes i have to get firm right like you can't yell at your child to Mm -hmm. have them fear you like that's just it's not okay to do that you never want your child to fear you Mm -hmm. um but so yeah it is it is a delicate balance but 
giving that direct feedback to them, although it's really vulnerable, builds really, really significant and substantial trust in me. Um, and you know, I, I am, I give so much grace to my clients. I'm like, yes, you are trying the best you can, you can do better. And also you're human, right? So like, there's only so much, as long as you're not like monumentally fucking up your child, you're doing yeah. an, a good enough job, mm-hmm. right? There's just need to be tweaks and things that need to be worked out. So yeah, that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Come, come, <laughs> it, is the long answer. Long but answers. it has to be, there has to be a fine line though, right? Like tough, there definitely is a place and time for tough love, right? I mean, I, I guess you're dealing with hypersensitive individuals and it's hard for me to gauge um, as your pre-show diagnosis that I have no sensitivity, but I, <laughs> I didn't say that, <laughs> I, I, which is fun. Um, but like, there's definitely a time for tough love with children, correct? Right. And, and firmness. Yes. Not tough love. I'm not saying chuck them down the stairs, but like firmness and discipline. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I always, I, I firmly believe, so the word discipline mm-hmm. is actually called from the root the root word is disciple right and disciple is to teach um so i am a very firm believer that parents are teachers and parents teach children about the world and one important thing that we that we do have to do is be firm with the things that we can't do in the world as like a moral citizen right so, for instance, when kids are trying to figure out their anger, um, it's such a, especially for sensitive kids, it's such a powerful feeling that sometimes they hit their siblings or they hit mom and dad or they kick mom and dad or, you know, I have kids that spit and bite and that's not okay, right? Like, mm-hmm. we can't let children do that because yeah. they can't throw a tantrum when they're in Wawa and don't get the sandwich that they want, mm-hmm. right? Like. Right exactly like you're saying out we need that firmness um but i would say that that firmness should never be with fear if that makes sense so we want that firmness of like i will not let you kick me it Mm -hmm. is not okay to kick me but there's a difference between that firmness and then um the fear and the threat and if you do that you're going to get punished and you're going to go to hell and whatever else. Yeah, like smacking your child in the back of the head in the store. And yes, like, exactly. Oh, yeah, that'll work. And then it never works. Yeah. And or like, they end up having to do that every time they go out. Yes. Yeah. Or like smacking your child because they mm-hmm. hit their sibling. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know. It's um, almost like a pass along of like anger. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. like, oh, you hit them. Okay, I'm going to hit you now. But wait, now we're all just angry. Mm-hmm. And now what do we do? Yeah. So that is, and, that's cool. So if you yeah. do have that child that's lashing out in Wawa, right? Just because there's probably a bunch of people that are listening that do have that child that occasionally mm-hmm. cries or throws a temper tantrum. Temper tantrum mm-hmm. What it's like the most successful practices that you have found? My, my parents were really good at giving a look. I was telling Albert about mm. this last night, <laughs> right? There was a look that they would just give and I would be like, oh, snap. Okay, it's time to cut it out, Kembe. Time to shut it down, cool it down. It's game over, right? Yeah. So, do you teach them to look? So I teach them to look. I'm, I'm gonna tell my parents <laughs> to call you, Don and Lydia. They go on conference call with you this week. Yep, they gonna teach you to look. Gotcha. I teach. So I always say that. Um, I always say that. However, you can. Um, it's it's hard because there's so many 
one of the things I do is I don't give advice up front to parents because I don't know the child yet. Mm. So a parent, a child could be tantruming and wah wah for a thousand different reasons, and you have to know, That's a good the, point. Yeah. know the child and right. know their motives and things like that to really intervene. Um, but I would say that sometimes it's best to just remove them from wah wah and just say like we're gonna sit in the car until you can calm down, and then we're gonna go back in if you have the time. Um, if you need to just, you know, get it done, I would say, I just, I really need you to stop crying right now. We're going to be in the car in a minute, right? Or it's not okay that, um, you're kicking me or, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't let you do that. Um, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer. Yeah, knowing the child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. But essentially, like Aaron, I've seen kind of like each of those methods, you know, like I've seen people take the child you know out of the building so like okay they're out mm-hmm. and then they come back in like five minutes later and the child is completely different you know? totally they're yeah like, calm down and they're like okay they're talk- the parents still talking to them in a the common voice and then like you said you also have the other method where you- the child might be just throwing a tantrum and then you talk to them in in the building and mm-hmm. they just also just cool down so it-, it is interesting to sit back and see like okay like the way you approach these situations will either work out very well or it will go very bad mm-hmm. and have everybody in the store looking at you like, okay, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be that parent. I, I, got a que- I got a question for you for the flip side. Um, how do you feel about like rewarding or like tangible rewards? So for example, when I was a kid, if I brought home like an A or like brought home like a great, like a good test result, I would go to the store and I'd get a toy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? And, like, what repercussions does that cause? Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. So I would say that when we're thinking about how a child's motivation is formed, because essentially what you're talking about is motivation. Um, is that – was am I correct in saying yeah, that? Yeah, that, that was just – yeah, I didn't, like – Kind of, like, reinforcing, like, positive behavior. Trying to create mm-hmm. – yeah, trying to create yeah. a, a positive behavior and then providing them with a reward mm-hmm. in the event of doing the positive behavior. Yeah, I would say that the number one motivation that your child is going to seek is your love, essentially. So the more that you, um, the more that you see them, the more that you understand them, the more that you um, share how proud you are of them, that's really going to motivate them towards doing, doing good and being good in the world, right? Um, And school, I could talk. We could do a whole other episode about the American education system and how it's terribly motivating for kids. Anyway, um, I so so I I believe that internal motivation a child develops motivation internally based off of how their parents are receiving their accomplishments. I think that the reward system works but sometimes it can create a space where the child is then externally motivated. So Mm. motivated towards achieving something or buying something or money, whatever, whatever, versus like, I feel motivated because like, I feel really good and I want to build confidence. Right. Um, so it's a little, it works, but sometimes it can just be, um, risky in terms of like the child developing external motivation. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a great point you brought up, Albert. Like, you know, we all had those things in school, you know, growing up saying, oh, you know, if I get this or just in life saying, okay, if I do this, you know, can I get this reward? 
and you know I can't speak like for how it was for you but I know there were definitely times where you would work towards certain things and I remember one time I was uh, I think I don't know if it was eighth or like seventh grade and my dad said okay yeah if you get good grades you know you get a certain grade I'll get you an Xbox and I was like oh say no more I got the grades got the Xbox right and I was the (laughs) happiest kid in the world but then there were also other times where you would think okay I'm getting this I'm doing really well here can I get this right you you would ask for something and think that oh well because this is kind of how it went before so I should be able to get it and they'd be like no and they'd be like why did you think that would work and I'd be like what that's that's how it went last time what you what you talking about isn't this how the system is and like you saying that right it's interesting to think back to like how my parents always kind of like had that interesting balance between saying okay no we'll reward some things but just because you do it like you should also realize that sometimes mm-hmm. this is what's expected you know like or you it's should expect life. for yourself mm-hmm. um and yeah i guess it, once again it, it has definitely shaped the way i am now mm-hmm. you know you kind of just go through life just knowing okay if i do this it's going to give me a sense of fulfillment mm-hmm. you know it's not like i'm expecting yes. some sort of like external reward from someone else yes but then i do also meet people who might be my age or older than me who still expect that who always expect that external reward or that level of recognition from someone else that little pat on the back and saying good job you did this you know what i mean like i'm proud of you you saw you could accomplish it and when they don't get that it's like their whole world shuts down mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly And, you know, it's the same thing about building resilience, right? One of the biggest questions I get is, like, how do I I help my child become emotionally resilient? And, like, a really great example of this is, like, a lot of kids hate going to the dentist. Mm. So what parents will do is buy them something after they go to the dentist. Like, if you go to the dentist, then we'll get, like, a special treat or something. And that's something that I discourage because you have to go to the dentist, right? And a child has to learn to build the resilience and the tolerance of going to the dentist. Um, so we don't get we don't get something after we do hard things, right? Yep. Like I build a successful six figure business, and like I didn't Let get them know. anything. Let people brag about that, Kelly. That's it. Talk that's that it. talk. Let no, them know. We're not looking for rewards. We COVID do ain't keeping anybody down. That's it. Sorry, we just had to, you know, hype you right. But we do this. Talk we about hype it, Kelly. People. We hype people. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm getting a little embarrassed. Not embarrassed, yeah. but... Um, um, so, yeah, it's like you you do those things because they feel good, right? Like, it feels good as fuck to say that. It feels yeah. really... It feels... Yeah, like if sometimes it feels good to make it through a dentist visit, I still hate going yep. to the dentist, you know? Yep. Like, so it's I, like, oh. So I feel like I gotta go to the doctor. Anytime yeah. Anytime I gotta take some blood, I don't like needles. I don't, don't like needles. Bert, <laughs> don't look at me like that. You know, I have my problems. You know, I have my things I don't deal with well. Bridges are also on the list, but yeah, that's <laughs> bridges. Is bad. Oh, so, so this will be a great way to end it, unless you have anything else seriously you want to touch on. Kembe has a massive fear of bridges. Why we got to bring this up? Do you out? think he was, like, dangled out of the window between, like, the ages of one to three? I got a problem with heights. Or it's not just bridges, it's heights. Did that like, happen? Is I right? Did that happen? Maybe. And oh. we'd also check and see if one of your parents has afraid of fears of heights. Yes, my dad. Yeah. My a dad, lot of times like, we take on our parents' fears. Yes. Really? He doesn't like flying. Mm-hmm. He hates flying. Yeah. And that's, that's as high as you can get. <laughs> think about that right so very true that's where i'm at outer space maybe it's a little higher uh, yeah. i would go to outer space though 
No, you wouldn't, bro. You'd like out the window you, and pass out. But at that point, it's like once you're there, you're there. That's true. <laughs> you can't come back. You can't come back. That's an interesting topic that you take on your parents' fears. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you do. Yeah. Wow. Why? Yeah. You you just kind of see it as a fear, and you think that that's the reality versus what's actually true. Because mm-hmm. um, as a child. Your only frame of reference is anything is your parents, right? Yeah. So you take on things that might seem normal that, not normal, but like just something that happens mm-hmm. versus something that's like not actually true, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, the, and that's a whole nother topic we can get into. And, you know, maybe we'll have to do another follow up around that because that's something we talk about, you know, a lot in the, in the black community specifically is, you know, how do the fears of your parents trickle down now into the children mm-hmm. once they go out and live their own lives, right? The fears that people say like, oh, you need to go. We talked about the other day, right? Like when I get pulled over, mm-hmm. there's a certain fear that my parents have no matter how I deal with it, that, oh my gosh, what might happen, right? Mm-hmm. And seeing all the stories you see, right, with black kids getting pulled over in America and how they might go good or bad, mm-hmm. but it's that 50-50 that weighs in their mind. Yeah. Is it going to be good or bad? And a lot of parents, right, and thankfully my parents didn't preach that type of, you know, always be afraid, always do this, right? Like Albert said, mm-hmm. it's like, no, you you were raised to, okay, you know, you treat people right, you go about doing things the right way, and hopefully it will end with a, with a positive result. That's mm-hmm. how I was brought up, you know, but I also know people who were brought up with this fear of, you need to be concerned with this person or that person or this type of community when you go into, mm-hmm. and I see how that's influencing their decisions, you know, when they move forward. Mm-hmm. And... Once again, like you said, that stuff has serious impact on kids and mm-hmm. once again, young adults, whether or not we want to acknowledge it, but we're starting to become our parents, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, we gotta, we gotta come to grips with that at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. seems like your parents had a really nice balance of like, this is the reality of the world mm-hmm. and it's also, and it, it might, it's not always that way, right? Yeah. Like it's balance I guess yeah it's like the reality it's true but it's just like speaking on the realities of things you Mm -hmm. know but in like a delicate way Mm -hmm. but yeah shout out to them yeah shout out to them letting you play in the sand that's it man (laughs) I can't wait to build the sandbox for my kids yep they're gonna love it (laughs) okay your kids can't come over though. No, well they're, they're gonna be raiding the sandbox with swords. That's exactly shields. why they cannot <laughs> Taking come the over. sandbox down. Oh my gosh, I think about this a couple Pillaging times. I'm like, I'm like, this kid. I mean, like his kids are gonna be something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, wow. That's that's the base I have. That's my base. <laughs> yeah, because I'm gonna be Guys, the moral compass. Guys, if you ever want to work on your relationship, just let me know. You know, we can always deepen our love for one another. See, <laughs> what did I say to you the other day, Albert? I looked at him and I said, when was the last time you said, I love you to come back? Oh my God, dude. And you know what he said? He said, <laughs> what the, is wrong with you? That's how he air. reacted. That's how he reacted. What's wrong with you? Don't you see a problem with that? Kelly. You see a problem with that, right? Kelly. I see a problem with it. Weekly, we do a mm. content wreck of the week. Yes. So what is yours for us? So I have been recommending this podcast to families um, about building resilience in children. And I think it is so applicable to not only building resilience in children, but building resilience in all of us, right? And the premise of it is that um, life is hard, right? Life is full of challenges that we just have to get through. And um, there is 
nothing other than the resources we have inside of us that are able to get us through that. Um, so when parents come in and they say, you know, he's scared of this, I say, yes, fear is real, but courage is bigger. So we always want to pull from the resources we have inside of us to overcome all of life's challenges. Um, but it's really great because it's one of the most common questions I get from parents is like, how do you, how do I help, how do I build my child to be resilient? Um, so I don't actually have the name of it off the top of my oh. head that I can, but I can send mm-hmm. it to you guys or I can bend down and look at my phone. That's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we'll, okay. come, we'll come back around. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Bert, the, you got yours lined up? Um, you know what? You go first. All right, we'll cycle, we'll circle back around you. Yeah. Um, but you know, thinking about you know having Kelly on this week, one thing I was thinking, okay, we're going to talk about a guest who's very who impacts a lot of people and how and talks to people about how they can impact others in their life. And one thing I've been listening to lately again was I, I sent you the video the other day was it's this YouTube series called Impact Theory, right by uh, Tom Billion, the creator of, of Quest Nutrition or co-creator and he just sits down with a lot of kind of like what we strive to do right sit down with a lot of influential people people who are doing different things in life and talks about the impact that they're making right on others and how that impact is then going out and affecting the world around them you know because week after week as i sit as we sit down with these different guests it's 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 so cool to me to see how far their reach is in so many different fields you know, and once again, being able to just tap into all the different things that everyone's doing, all these different guests, and how we're able to almost like shape ourselves, right, going forward. Like, is, we're going to definitely like, think about a year. We were talking about this before the, the episode started. A year from now, we'll be 52 weeks, you know, to 52 episodes in. All the different people we'll come into contact with, how is that going to shape our impact? You know, how are we then going to go about and like change the people we come in contact with a year from now? You know, so just sitting back and going through some of those old videos I've listened to before and some of the new videos I've missed has just been impactful for me. So that's, that's my content, Rick, for this week. So go check that out. It's on YouTube, Impact Theory. Wow. What's the name of the podcast, Kelly? So the name of the podcast is called Fluster Clucks, but it's C-L-U-X. Whoa. And the title of this podcast is called Reassurance Trap reassurance traps how to know when anxiety is in control hmm. dun, dun, dun. and the and the premise of that podcast is it like betterment for children is that what it is yes it's meant for basically like teaching teaching parents how to help children build resilience but it's really great for anybody that sort of just wants to understand like shit life is hard like life is hard yep. there's a lot of fear and we also have all we need inside of us to pull from the courage the confidence the strength um sometimes we don't feel that way and we have to borrow it from others right and that's why you have each other and that's why we have our our secure bases right um but it is primarily for parents to help children build resilience but it's really good for anybody that's kind of like trying to build resilience i guess hmm. yeah i love that Bert, what you got for the people? So, uh, so, so, um, my content rec of the week is much lighter um, than everyone else's, and it 
it's a total pivot from the episode so it's actually the new this is gonna be funny everyone's gonna yes. like laugh at me for saying that it. it's the the new dj khaled album yeah. <laughs> it's so yes. good i i i had um i had like a book in the back of my head i was like you know what i'm gonna save this for another time because i could talk about a book anytime the album just came out yeah <laughs> it's so Bro, good heat. <laughs> have you listened to it body in motion no. <laughs> oh my gosh listen when you get back in the car and way home Play that album, Body in Motion. First song right? put on, Body it, in Motion. Roll down the windows. You're going to be grooving. They no. shut it down. They oh, I'm it. so excited. The beach just oh hits you differently. I'm, I'm going to the beach after this. 100%. I'm going to the beach today. So that that does my rec. It's a lighter rec. Um, Khaled Khaled is the name of the, name of the album, and it's fantastic. Got a lot of summer jams. Love it. Yeah. I like that. Um, with that being said, is there anything else you want to touch on, Kelly? I know other than breaking down the American education system, which we'll table for another time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I don't think so. This has been really great. I just really appreciate you guys asking me to be on. Oh, appreciate we appreciate you. If anybody listened and has anything to follow up or would you be okay? Like giving how they could reach you or mm-hmm. yeah. What totally. your website is or. Yeah. You can reach me at Kelly. Uh, no, com. And it's K-E-L-L-I-E-C-A-T-H-E-Y. So two first names is my whole name, but KellyCathyClay.com. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, there you go. with that being said, thank you so much, Kelly. Um, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have to talk a little bit thank more you for about know. your diagnosis between <laughs> Thank you for letting Albert know about himself. The people love that. Um, <clears throat> the people already knew. He didn't know. But sometimes, you know, you need somebody to, to make you more aware, Albert. So. And that's the goal self-awareness and we're just getting better every day here with that being said as always enjoy the first sip hey 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 turn it up a little bit more delonzo